Welcome to the Ordinary Church Podcast. This is a podcast about the church and for the church, and we are happy to be with you. I'm Connor. I'm here with Mike, and today we have a very special guest, although he just informed us that Jesus is really the only special guest. But it's been a few years since Alex Strauch has been with us on the podcast, but Alex, we're so excited to have you back. We recorded at Shepherd's Conference two years ago, and now we're doing the same thing uh, here. So uh, here, I tell you what, uh, Alex, we want to hear from you in a second, but Mike, can I maybe just ask you to give a little bit of an intro and talk about your friendship, and then we'll get into the conversation here. Excellent. Well, today we have a treat. Now, we come from all different places when we do this. Usually we're in my office there at Grace Church of Orange, but today we're in the office of Josh Petrus, the youth pastor at Grace Community Church in Sun Valley, California. We're in the basement. We're in a beautiful office, beautiful office, little complex here, and we're at the Shepherds Conference. So we're recording this on Thursday, March 10th, 2022, and this will drop, I don't know, in about two weeks probably. And Alex is here with us and I love Alex he's he takes my texts and emails he actually writes back to me and stuff like that so uh, I really appreciate that and he's given me some really good advice godly advice through the years and encouragement and we've been greatly encouraged by his books we use them extensively as do so many other churches around the world on biblical eldership and on the New Testament deacon but also a newer book on the Savage Wolves uh, in Acts 20 uh, that has been uh, greatly used of God. And then I want to talk to Alex about, I want to hear from Alex about a book on in-laws. So I think, Alex, today, if we could focus on the book on in-laws as well as something about your family. I want to hear something about your family a bit, and uh, and then we'll see where see where we go from there. Good. I'm All right. with you. So your newest book, is this the newest book? The Why don't we start book? with my family? Let's go family. Yes. Yes. Well, I have four daughters, all adult daughters, and uh, 15 grandchildren. And the real blessing is they're all strung for the Lord mm-hmm. in our church and uh, very involved in the church, involved with uh, key uh, responsibilities in the church. So that's really my greatest legacy. Mm-hmm. Not my books, my children. <laughs> Amen. And grandchildren. And 17, you said? 17 grandkids? Uh, did I say 17? 15. 15, right? I'm just testing you, know, you to see count. if you know. <laughs> I'm just testing you to see if you know. So 15. four daughters. I have four daughters, too. Maybe that's how we became friends, because I have four right. daughters as well. We are great men. Yes, and a son. I have a son as well, so oh, we have five. Oh, no, just four daughters. So we're sitting here right now in a room, and I'm just going to say, if you picture a really nice little office, and in one corner there's Jim Eggert, pastor of Pioneer Bible Church in Somerset, California. You've got Brian Bush, who's the executive pastor at Grace Church of Orange. You've got Jacques Molyneux, the pastor at Ocean View Baptist in San Pedro, California. California, and of course, Connor and myself. But Jacques and I, we go way back, just Jim and I go way back too, and we were all on staff together at Downey First Baptist in the 80s and early 90s. But Jacques and I have a very unique, unique connection. Jacques, could you just, you jump on here and tell us what the connection is, and then we'll go right to the in-laws book, because I think you and I might need it. Okay. Well, the connection that Mike is referring to is the connection of my son, Cameron, marrying his daughter, Alexandra. And so that uh, has put us into now the in-law category. And um, so we are looking forward to reading that book together. I know. We're getting along so far. It's been like a (laughs) year. We're getting along so far, but we're not toxic at all. You you better get prepared. (laughs) Okay. So talk to us. So here's my um, grandfather's story. So my first 
first granddaughter, born 23 or 24 years ago. Uh, one Sunday morning, I come out of church. She's about a, a six to eight months old. And I see this man in the parking lot walking away with my granddaughter. And I become immediately upset thinking, is she being kidnapped? And then it came to me, oh, she has two grandpas, not just me. And it's her other grandpa who's walking away. And I realized I have to share my grandchildren with other grandparents. And it's actually a shock. But here's what happens. It can cause terrible problems. One set of grandparents don't like the other set of grandparents. They don't like the way they parent. Give them too much candy. Let them watch too much television. And so my dear friend, Doyle Roth, who's been a fellow elder with me for over 50 years, uh, we've worked very, very closely together. Together, and he's been our church counselor, not full-time. He's self-supporting, but he counsels about 12 hours a week. He's led many people to Christ through his counseling ministry. He loves to counsel unsaved people, marriages. Well, anyway, he has noticed over the last 10 years, many, many cases, more than he's seen in the past, of grandparents who are being denied to see their grandchildren or very strict, strict rules put on them, uh, terrible fighting between grandparents on both sides of the family. And he says, I've not seen so much as before. Very, very sick behavior, um, uh, aberrant behavior. It's very hurtful. And we have these friends. They haven't seen, the, well, one case, uh, uh, the grandparents haven't seen their grandchildren in 10 years because the children think they're some kind of a, you know, holy group uh, that uh, says, well, you, you don't want your children uh, brought up by those grandparents. So he has seen this. And so he wrote a book on toxics in laws. And it's been very popular so far. And uh, it, what we found is we have it out in our booth at the conference. People look at it and they go, I need that book. And I might want to warn you, you could have this problem with your dear brother because now you're going to have opinions. My grandchildren should be raised this way. My grandchildren should read this Bible. My grandchildren, my grandchildren should eat all that salt, all that uh, uh, sugar. Uh, my grandchildren shouldn't go to those uh, movies. Well, the other grandparents are so liberal. The other grandparents are so strict. So this becomes a very real thing, and you've got to know your place. Um they're not your children. And with your grandchildren, you walk a different line. Now, I'd have to say to you, with 15 grandchildren, it's it's a special relationship. I don't know. It's, as they say, you know, it's a shame I didn't have the grandchildren first. <laughs> um, you have the, they love you. Grandchildren love the grandparents. It's built into them. They want to be with you. And can I give you two words? I'm going to yes, give you two yes. words. Very important. Now, don't forget them, okay? Okay. All right. Two words. Approachable. You want to be grandparents that are approachable. Kids can come to you with anything, and you sit down with them. Talk about anything. What are you learning in school? Who are your friends? Hey, tell me the kind of music you're listening. Don't judge them. Just listen. Be very approachable. And always tell them, you can come to us with anything. I'll never forget when my... Uh, uh, oldest granddaughter, when she was about 15, came to me one day complaining about her mother, who's my oldest daughter. And I almost laughed in her face. <laughs> my mom is too strict. Mate, can you talk to her? I'm, I'm, I'm almost giggling. Like, my daughter's too strict. Uh, now they're complaining about my children. <laughs> so it was so funny. But I tried to keep a cool face. Yes. Okay, yeah. so approachable is the first one. Right. So, for example, I'm gone now here at the conference. Yes. My wife called up our oldest grandchild. Let's go out to dinner tonight. Just talk. Let her yes. talk. And yes. 
They love that. Uh-huh. You have a special relationship to bring them to the Lord and to mm-hmm. talk to them about their, their life. Even parents can't do it. Second word, relationship. It's not a matter of all rules and uh, preaching. At, do not preach at your grandchildren. <laughs> that won't work. You, you have to listen. You have to be a very good listener with grandchildren. And then you, because they, they want to see your example. They want to see your example. And so my, my one daughter just called me the other day and said, Dad, uh, her son's about 14. And, and going through those teen, not rebellious, but doing dumb, goofy things and getting in trouble in school. And so my daughter says to her grandson, uh, her son, she says, Son, how are you doing with the Lord? He goes, well, I think I'm doing okay. So my daughter says to him, why do you think you're doing okay? Because I'm being like grandpa. (laughs) She said, I got to tell you that. I'm being like grandpa. All right. So to him, the model, the model. So I want to just say this to both of you and to anyone listening. Grandparents have a unique, special relationship with their grandchildren that you don't even have as children. You don't spank them. You don't have to be the bad guy, the good guy. And if you will just lead them to Christ, be an example to them, be fun. So almost every Saturday, if I'm home, we take the grandchildren. Many of them come with us and go hiking. They love to go hiking. Very interesting. When they're little, I know everything. Grandpa, what kind of spider is this? Grandpa, what kind of tree is this? Now, when they're in the mid-teens, Grandpa... (laughs) I, my, my friends and I are going out, and uh, we've got a lot to do today. So you got to get them when they're young, uh-huh. when they think you know everything. <laughs> so anyway, it's been a, a great joy to be a grandparent. Yeah. But I'm just telling you, there are okay. real things to be aware of. Yes. Okay. And don't try to be the parents. Mm-hmm. And you, you walk a fine line with your own children. Mm-hmm. They want you to be grandparents, but they don't want you to be a parent and tell them what to do. Mm-hmm. Unless it's something very uh, obvious that you've got to speak up. Okay. Most of the time, you just you know keep one eye open, one eye close. Well, points well taken, yeah. and uh, we'll be looking forward to processing this together. We might have to call you up one day. Yeah, you may. Alex, you this may. is uh, Jacques and Mike. We're on the phone here. We have and, a real uh, disagreement. You know, <laughs> I go. don't think they should eat all those candy bars. Well, I don't think they should go to this particular movie. Oh, that movie's okay. So I want to get to something... Uh, We've oh, got, by the got, way, yes. there's a, a more relevant issue. Should your children be homeschooled or go to regular school? And people mm-hmm. get really yeah, mad yeah. at this. Woo! I don't yes. want my grandchildren being homeschooled. I want my children grand- homeschooled. You know what? It's not your business. You can give your yeah. opinion. But your children have to make that decision. All right. And you might disagree as grandparents. Yeah. You have to say, you know... I can only give so much advice. After mm-hmm. that, I'm annoying. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be annoying. Yeah. I don't want to be around you if you're annoying. No. So two words, approachable relationship. That's yeah. solid gold for us as in-laws and parents. And I don't even charge for that information. And this is free. This it's is free. free advice. Absolutely free. That's wonderful. Yeah. So I want to get to, I'm going to ask you something about the word. You got a Bible open right now. I always have the Bible open. And then, and then what I want to do at the end, I want to talk about biblical eldership. This is kind of, I always say to people, this is the goal. Your book is the gold standard on it. Mm-hmm. Comes straight from scripture. It's organized so well. But I know that there's a special project going on with mm-hmm. that book. But what advice would you give from the word on the topics we've already talked about? In terms of, uh, in, in, or, you, or is this on eldership? No. Is this um, eldership or is this? No, are we back at the parents? I'm back in the parents. Okay. Yes. Uh, I think the book of Ephesians is such an important book because whether you're parenting or grandparenting, 
it always comes back to the husband and wife relationship. Mm -hmm. If you've got a lousy relationship with your spouse, you're not going to you're not going to be much of a grandparent. I guarantee you something about your marriage, your children Mm. and your grandchildren want to see a good marriage. They're embarrassed if you have a lousy marriage or you're fighting. Never fight uh, in front of people. Never. That's a rule. If I catch you doing it, mm-hmm. I'll whack you. Okay. No. <laughs> I go with people's houses or I'm with people and they fight right in front of you. My wife have a rule. I could say the stupidest things. She will not contradict me until we get home. Then she'll whack me. <laughs> and I do that to her. You know, yes. same with your grandchildren. Mm-hmm. You want a united front in front of your grandchildren. And you are examples of Ephesians 5. The husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. And he loved the church and he gave himself for it. And then in the sixth chapter, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. It's the right thing to do. And so I had to say to one of my grandchildren just very recently, son, honor your father and mother. Even if you don't agree now, mm-hmm. 10 years from now, you might agree and say, well, they've grown up so much since <laughs> that time. So the scripture is clear about the husband and wife relationship. It's the fundamental relationship. It pours all through. You guys are patriarchs, by the way. You, do you understand that? You're a patriarch. And I'm going to tell you, I've seen hundreds, maybe thousands of families in my life. Um, the patriarch makes a huge difference. Fighting. Terrible things happen in the family because the patriarch doesn't speak up and lead. Mm-hmm. So you led your own families, but you're still the patriarch of a larger family, and they want a wise patriarch. Your children, as the grandchildren get older, mm-hmm. you you will be able wisely to solve problems. Not sticking your nose in things, but being the kind of person they come to and say, uh, "Dad, uh, what do you? Th- how do you think we should handle this?" So be wise patriarchs. Everything we need for grandparenting is right here in Ephesians chapter 5 and 6. And I will add one more book, the book of Proverbs. Mm-hmm. I keep trying to encourage young people. Oh, by the way, do you know the most important verse to give to young people today? Do you know? Ecclesiastes 12.1. All right. Uh, you know what that is, remember don't you? Your, remember your creator. Oh, in the days boy, of you'd have been bad news if you couldn't get But notice, remember your creator, not just God. Yes. Your cre- He's the owner. Yeah. He's the maker. Mm-hmm. Remember your maker mm-hmm. in the days of your youth because old age is going to come real fast <laughs> and you're going to say life is tough. Yes. This is the special time in life. Mm-hmm. So I always ask any young person I'm with, you know Ecclesiastes 12 one? Most of them don't know it. Yeah. I said, I want you to memorize it. Next Excellent. time I see you, I'm going to ask you. Excellent. And that is, remember your creator in the days of you. It's a special Amen. time to connect with God. Remember that as grandparents, too, yeah. to okay. con- encourage them to connect with the Lord. Mm-hmm. Know the Lord. All right. Follow the Lord. Be obedient to your parents. Excellent. Well, this is good advice. And I want to shift now to biblical eldership, which is not a hard left turn. These things are connected. It is. And uh, let's talk. Because an elder has to have his home in order. Absolutely. Let's talk about biblical eldership. Tell us real quick for any listeners who who are coming to the episode, the program today, and they're like, wait, I've never heard of this book. If they, I can't believe they haven't, but tell us about there it. There are people out How there. How long has it been yet. around? And so, by the way, I ran across a church once that used to train their elders in biblical eldership, and we were helping them through a really tough time a few years uh-huh. ago, and they didn't even know the book existed. The, the current 
elders didn't even know that book existed. I brought them all copies. Uh, that said... You are a generous man. I, we bought them copies. Uh, so tell us about Biblical Eldership, the reach it has had, and then uh, the, the, the new project. Well, uh, it's over 30 years old now. I wrote it because 30 years ago, I think John MacArthur may have been the only public figure that actually spoke out for elders. Most churches have the pastor and the deacons, mm-hmm. or they have the priest people, clergy laity. And I was doing a series of sermons at our church on ecclesiology, which is the doctrine of the church. I couldn't find any books on elders that weren't simply a denominational book. No Bible exposition. Did you hear me, Mike? There was no Bible exposition. Somehow the Lord put in my thick brain to do this project, but to go through every single passage on eldership. That, that was, that's been the success of the, of the book because people who love the Bible go, hey, this guy's just gone through the whole Bible. So in one sense, it's a, 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 theolo- a, a biblical theology on eldership. So I think that's the secret of the book. We go through every single passage, interrelate that to a good ecclesiology that's biblical. And so I steered away from our own practices or any other practice. I tried by only God's grace to be, let the scriptures do the talking. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, it's in 20 some languages. All our books are in 45 languages. And uh, so it's 30 years old, and it's time to do a complete update. I'm going to hit hard around the exegetical. I've learned a lot in 30 years. Mm-hmm. Try to make it simple. I know the questions to answer. So I'm in the process now. I've got about more than halfway done. Okay. It's a completely new outline and everything. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I wonder why am I even doing this, because really most churches don't want this. Even if they said it was true, they don't want it. It's too hard to change. So that would be my prayer request that I don't get hit by a truck or anything between now and the end of this project. And when do you think the project will be done? I think by this time next year, if I keep keep going like this. Okay, so has there been anything, as you've gone through, and a rewrite has to be really tough because you really like what you did before. Is there anything where you're like, wow, this is, this is the dramatic uh, change or you've seen things change through the years right. you need to address? Here, I'm glad you asked that question. What I see is clarity, how to make it clear. Hmm. And the thing I'm doing now, I did it in the other book, but not as clearly, really focus in on the key texts. Mm-hmm. Like one of the chapters opens with, if you had like if you had to go to the Bible, where would you go to show who pastors the church? Mm-hmm. The Apostle Paul tells us. Acts 20, 28. First yeah. Peter 5. They tell us. Straightforward, plain, it can't be anymore. You men shepherd the church. Yes. Never said the bishop shepherd the church. Right. Pastor shepherds the church. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really focusing on these key statements, direct, clear, and then exegeting them and challenging people. You have no right to rechange these texts mm-hmm. to fit your denomination. Mm-hmm. So it's clearer. I think it's better explanation. I know the things that's uh, confusing people, mm-hmm. and I'm putting more practical things in. Excellent. Yeah. Is there anything in particular on the practical side where you've realized churches are missing this when it comes to biblical eldership that you really need to let them know about? Is there any anything like that? Yes, I would say um, I'm ending the whole book with how to make this work. Now you might say, why do we have to make it work? Well, let me tell you something, Mike. You got to make your marriage work. It doesn't work naturally. You've probably mm-hmm. been divorced by now. <laughs> Maybe it'd be two or three wives. I don't know. Um, 
more than half of marriages end in divorce and the other half live in marital misery. So there's something wrong with marriage. No, oh, no, it's wrong with us. You must make it work because you believe in the principles of Ephesians 5 mm-hmm. and you say, I have to love my wife as Christ loved the church. How many mm-hmm. times have I told that to men mm-hmm. who are uh, being uh, knuckleheads with their wives? Um, we make, so I've had many people write me and say, this doesn't work. No, mm-hmm. it doesn't. It's not the natural way. The natural uh, trajectory is give all the power to the strong man. People love the strong man. But that's not in the New Testament. If it was there, I'd be glad. Mm -hmm. But it's not there. You must make it work. And so one of the things I'm emphasizing is the importance as elders to realize you're a self-managed group. Mm -hmm. You've got to be clear with what each person's job is Mm -hmm. and to organize better. I see so many elderships that are dysfunctional. They don't even know how to organize themselves Mm -hmm. and the importance of elders meetings effective elders meetings so i'm emphasize more things like that yeah unity among the elders okay Okay. actually i'm starting the whole book the first chapter one of the largest chapter is going through all the unique teachings of jesus and there are four points that come out of the unique teachings of jesus humility Mm -hmm. servanthood Mm -hmm. brotherly equality and love it's written. Okay. All these stories of Jesus, yeah. you know, James and John, that what do they want? Well, Lord, we'd really like the, the chief's thrones. Yeah. And the other guys get really mad. And they go, oh, oh, we want the thrones too. You, yeah. you guys cutting in on us. Jesus said, no. Yeah. I'll give you death. I'll give you suffering. But you're not getting ivy thrones now. Mm-hmm. There are thrones, yeah. but it's not now. Okay, so totally those, unique four, teaching. those four things. So we've got humility, servanthood, brotherly equality, and love. That's right. Okay, that's, I, that's, a, that's drawing those all those stories that Jesus teaches, including washing feet, mm-hmm. John 13, 34, mm-hmm. and 35, the love. That's, that's what it comes down to, okay. those four things. That's excellent. That's gold. I've got one more question, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have you answer this question. And I hope it works. I hope this question works. You're, I hope so too. I know. I'll be embarrassed. Uh, I will be too. And then, then I'm gonna um, I'm gonna ask you one more question. And then after that question, you get to say anything else you want before Connor comes back in and lands okay. the plane. Now, is this gonna be a hard question? No, but oh, it's, it's a question that I've thought about so often. <laughs> yes. When we think about biblical eldership, and we think about then the vernacular that a lot of churches use, yeah. and they call a lot of men pastor, mm-hmm. and but not they don't make him an elder so there's maybe a, an associate pastor and there's you know poimen and episcopos and presbyteros mm-hmm. and we would say that's all the same role the same person mm-hmm. what do you do with the church or how do you encourage them if they have an elder board and then they have pastors but the pastors aren't elders i would say that's not a very good combination and the board is probably exactly that an elder board uh paul and peter Never appointed an elder board. Listen carefully to the word of the Lord. Looking at the elders, Paul said this, pay careful attention to yourselves, start with your own spiritual life, Mm -hmm. and to all the flock, all the flock, which, now this are some of the most important words in the New Testament on this subject. The Holy Spirit himself has placed you, elders, as overseers, purpose infinitive to shepherd, pastor, the church of God, no ordinary group of people. He purchased them with the blood of his own one. How can I say it more clearly? The eldership 
is a pastoral body. So I call it pastoral eldership. The biblical concept is a pastoral eldership, not a board eldership. Also, every elder, not just a pastor, has to meet the biblical qualifications. Mm -hmm. Not just anyone can be an elder. And part of those qualifications is that you're able to instruct in scripture Mm -hmm. and stop the false teacher. We have unscriptural divisions like this. We have hierarchy within the eldership that ruins parity and it ruins plurality. Mm -hmm. So listen very carefully what I'm gonna say to you. An eldership has parity. Every elder is equally an elder. Analogy, every apostle was equally an apostle. Not one apostle above the others. Mm-hmm. All equally were given authority to go out and heal and uh, represent Jesus. So there is equality. If you don't have equality, you really don't have plurality. And then you have functional diversity. Have it in the apostles. Twelve apostles, mm-hmm. but three in the inner circle. Peter's the mouthpiece. The other apostles aren't his assistants or associates. He's not over the apostles as the bishop. They're all equally apostles, but there is functional diversity. The exact same thing is with the elders. 1 Timothy 5.17, straightforward statement among the elders. Some lead well, Mm -hmm. and they deserve double honor, and some labor, strong word, in preaching and teaching. So there's functional diversity, which is built on functional giftedness. Mm -hmm. 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, Ephesians 4. So, you have to maintain both. Parity, no plurality without parity, equality, Mm -hmm. and functional diversity. The elders must talk out that diversity if there's some who will serve the church full-time, worthy of double honor, Mm -hmm. or uh, we say twofold honor. Mm -hmm. You have to work that out how it's going to work, and have agreement together, or you won't be able to operate together. All right. So so I think that question worked. That's good. Might not have been the best worded question, but the answer was stellar. Thank you very much. I'm going to do this before we end. Uh, what other parting words of encouragement would you give us and our listeners today? Yes. So I'm sitting here in a room with tons and tons of books. How many books you think are up there on that shelf? A thousand. A thousand, yeah, probably at least a thousand. Well, anyway, so much to read, so many good TV shows to see, movies to see, papers to read, but we're not reading the Bible. Careful, daily, meditative reading of the Bible. I think we're reading the Bible less than ever. One reason is our hyper-busyness. It's craziness. Manic living. The Bible demands time and thought and concentration. And if you have not trained yourself in Bible meditation and careful thought of Scripture, something like biblical eldership, you'll never understand. Just follow the crowd. So, even those who are leaders among the Lord's people, and I include myself, we must be very careful that we're so busy with other things that we're not meeting with the Lord. I mean, His work is is the church of God. It's not our work. We're only His servants. Mm -hmm. But if you don't stay carefully connected to the Scriptures, every word, because it's all breathed out by God. Isn't that a statement? 
You know, people say, I don't believe the Bible. I say, that's fine. Let me tell you what the Bible claims for itself. That's an honest thing, right? You don't believe the Bible? Do you know what it says about itself? Okay, what does it say about itself? All scripture is breathed out by God. Where does your breath come from? Inside your lungs. It comes right from inside God. The Bible is breathed out and profitable. How can it have errors and be profitable? So it can't be with error for teaching and for correcting people, rebuking them. So we can equip every man and woman for God. So you're going to train up new elders. You're going to train up new deacons. You're going to train up youth workers. This is the only real tool. That's right. Real tool. That's right. Thank you so much for sitting with us today and taking this time with us, Alex. Hey, this was my pleasure. Can I pray for you real quickly? Absolutely. Just real quick, Lord. Just pray for those who are listening today that they will actually listen and hear. In Christ's name, amen. 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 Thanks so much, Alex. We, we super appreciate it. We're really grateful for this time and grateful for you. Uh, to everybody listening at home, we love you and we pray for you. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you next week and uh, have a great day. God bless you.